Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. All of a sudden, a lesson about coronavirus and prophecy. And just like that, all of a sudden, the entire world was changed. I can see that playing out in the future as part of the storyline when we tell our kids and grandkids about the coronavirus pandemic that swept the world in 2020. The swiftness with which it spread, sparing virtually no country, is one of the more astounding aspects of this whole experience we've gone through. But what a lot of people don't think about is how this pandemic is a harbinger for other storylines that have already been written but not yet occurred. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about the prophecies in your Bible regarding the world events that are going to be culminating in the end of this age. Now, you may be familiar with a lot of those events that Jesus and the prophets before him talked about, but this coronavirus pandemic is standing as a big lesson regarding another very important element that we need to think about, and that is the breathtaking speed with which prophecies can unfold. Let's talk about this a little bit. You know, the track record of uh, humanity's relationship with God is pretty well established, and it's simply this. We're pretty slow to believe Him or take Him seriously. There's just something in our nature that finds it hard to heed His warnings that life can change all of a sudden, and it's especially hard when things at the moment seem to be going along quite well. Things were going quite well last December for the world, and then all of a sudden, this broke loose. The people of ancient Israel and Judah learned this lesson the hard way. God's prophets gave them warning after warning, but despite that, they remained what Isaiah said that he called them a rebellious people who would not hear the law of the Lord. He said they would say things like, do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits and cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. You can read about that in Isaiah 30, verses 9 through 11. He went on to say in verses 12 and 13, Because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall, a bulge in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly, in an instant. What a great visual warning God gave to them. God often sits quietly, sometimes for a long time, while sins build up in a person's life or in a society's life. But when the wall of sin collapses in on us, man, it just brings sudden destruction. That's the way it was for the ten tribes of Israel. The unthinkable happened to them, just like he had told them. Actually, God had told them very specifically in Isaiah 5, 26, He will lift up a banner to the nations from afar and will whistle to them from the end of the earth. Surely they will come with speed, swiftly. And after centuries of just being patient, God allowed them to be quickly conquered and taken captive by Assyria. Well, we humans also seem to be slow learners. It wasn't more than a few decades, and God was having to warn the people of Judah, Israel's sister, of the impending disaster that was coming. 
because of their continual sins. They are wise to do evil, God said, but to do good they have no knowledge. Jeremiah wrote that in chapter 4 and verse 22, and he listed their evil doings included covetousness, religious deception, shamelessly committing different kinds of abominations, and generally rejecting God's laws and His words. Jeremiah was God's spokesman, and he pleaded with the people. He said, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and then you will find rest for your souls. But his words fell on deaf ears. They said, we will not walk in it, Jeremiah 6.16. And Jeremiah also, like Isaiah, went so far as to describe exactly how their fall would come, by a people from the north country, invading and overrunning the plunderer will suddenly come upon us, verses 22 and 26. Sure enough, God finally withdrew his protection, and Judah was shocked when all of a sudden they found themselves vanquished and their temple destroyed. Now, Israel's and Judah's experiences live on as warnings of what is yet to come on the world. One of the major prophecies for the end times has to do with the, the things that surround what is called in the Bible the day of the Lord. God gave the prophet Zephaniah tremendous insight into many events that have yet to be fulfilled. And early in his book, he foresaw a time that he wrote of when the great day of the Lord is near, Zephaniah 1.14. But notice the next statement, emphasizing its speed and coming. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. Four verses later in verse 18, he said, Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. Another prophet, speaking about the coming return of Christ, also stressed of how that momentous event will come upon the world all of a sudden. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. That's in Malachi 3.1. The apostle Paul understood how the world will be blind to the conditions preceding Christ's return, and as a result, will be astonished at the speed with which the events leading to that unfold. He wrote, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. That's in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 2 through 3. Many other earth-shaking events are prophesied to roll out preceding Christ's return. But let me ask you this. Should we expect the world, in general, to react any differently in the future than it has in the past? Or should we consider that the words God spoke to Babylon still stand as a warning to all people now? God said, Therefore evil shall come upon you. You shall not know from where it arises, and trouble shall fall upon you. You will not be able to put it off, and desolation shall come upon you suddenly, which you shall not know. That was through the words of Isaiah in chapter 47 and verse 11. Now, God spoke that to Babylon, and one could say, well, that was then, but Babylon, they are so far gone, they've long since disappeared. Well, we could say that, but no, 
that world power then was a precursor of the world society now at the end of the age. Five times in the book of Revelation, God calls the end-time political and religious system, he calls it Babylon. And he makes it plain in chapter 18 that what happened to ancient Babylon is going to happen again to this world. He wrote there, this system, quote, glorified herself and lived luxuriously, arrogantly disbelieving that it would ever see sorrow, verse 7. But in verse 8, it says, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And God says, this is going to stagger the entire world. In verses 9 and 10, we read, the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And then twice more in the following verses, we see the statement, one hour which along with the phrase one day is not necessarily to be understood as literal, but emphasizing the speed with which events occur. The sense conveyed here is that not only what happens, but the speed with which it happens will be absolutely stunning. Now, this quick overview of past history and future prophecy, we see three important lessons. Number one, God is patient and sometimes quiet as he watches people increase their sins. But we should never confuse his patience and silence for approval or disinterest. That principle is found in Psalm 50 and verse 21. Number two, when God determines it's time to move, nothing stops him. He's delayed by nothing. He can swiftly and suddenly affect any outcome he desires. And number three, people are invariably caught off guard and shocked by the suddenness of unfolding events, even when they have been warned. So that brings us to another vital element that Jesus himself stressed. He was speaking about his return to this earth, and he said, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Mark 13, 32-33 and continuing on in verses 35 through 37, he stressed twice again, Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest, coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. So what are we to watch? Well, certainly we need to watch world conditions, understand them, but anybody can see what is happening in the world. How many can see why or where world events are leading, especially in the light of biblical prophecy? But most of all, we need to watch ourselves and our spiritual state. Therefore, you also be ready, Jesus urged. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's Matthew 24, 44. So his message to each individual is clear. Take heed to yourselves. Why? Because one can be wide awake to what is happening in the world and sound asleep to what is happening in his or her own life. There's a difference between watching and being ready. Being ready doesn't depend on what we know about world events or whether or not we have put together all the 
pieces of the puzzle concerning prophecy. Being ready has to do with our spiritual condition. Jesus elaborated in Matthew 25 with this parable of the, the foolish and the wise virgins. And again, he doubles down on the need to watch ourselves and to be spiritually ready for his return. He said in verse 10, those who are ready went in with him, Christ, the bridegroom, to the wedding. As foolish virgins, the, the five foolish virgins clamored to be let in, they must have been shocked to hear the bridegroom answer, I don't know you. So the message is clear. We have been told of the events heralding Christ's return. But those who lack a sense of urgency to know God before these events unfold will have a sense of panic when they begin. In Luke's account, Christ added even more specifics. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21, 34-36. The prophesied coming events leading to Christ's return are not going to catch God by surprise. They're not going to seem sudden and swift to Him. The sense of suddenness and the element of surprise, that will be a human reaction. And that's because, despite God's warnings, we humans are so prone to be weighed down, distracted by so many other things in life rather than the things of God. We often write articles here and discern on our website, Life Open Truth, to explain the, the numerous end-time events that are prophesied to come. This coronavirus pandemic we, we've been going through, if nothing else, already stands as a powerful witness to one of the great lessons of prophecy. And that is not just understanding the events, but understanding that world events can unfold all of a sudden. It stands as a reminder of the urgency of Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 through 6, where he said, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I'm Clyde Kylo. Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.